Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this patch video for the web novel First Contact, written by Ralts Bloodthorn, which is available on both Royal Road and HFY. The links for them will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. First Contact, Chapter 44 Ulmo Ock was a bad Langtelen. His mother and father had always told him so. He was uninterested in money. He was uninterested in power. He had little to no interest in politics. And he didn't care one way or another for rules. The last would have been understandable, if not involved for the first three in a way. But Ulmo Ock's idea of fun evening was getting together with some friends all of them from the uncivilized species or neo-sapiens, hacking a car's computer and roaring around the city in it. The final straw had come when Ulma Ox had gotten high on Stimcross, stripped naked and painted himself red with a clawed suppression paint gun, stolen a Lawsec cruiser and driven it to our chase that had culminated, culminated in Ulma Ox deliberately crashing the armored vehicle into a river and set ending on top of it as it sank, rearing up to show his genitals to the private cameras. His jowls full of stimgrass, he had had a gun in each hand taken from the Lawsec cruiser, and kept shooting pot shots at the cameras until Lawsec sniped him and tagged him with a stunner rifle. The sniper had been forced to shoot the young young Langtalon three times to drop him. It was put up to the jowls full of stimgrass. His parents found it horrified. These friends found it hilarious. Lawsick had taken a bribe and looked the other way. Almoak had been entertained. He'd almost felt something standing on the roof of a sinking Lawsick vehicle. He'd come close, but the stunner had hit him. He'd felt something then. Not the raving nerve pain in the second shot brought. Not the darkness the third shot had dropped onto him. But he felt something he'd never felt before. He'd been sent to where his father's uncle was in charge of the resource collection in the system in the unified outer systems. His great-uncle was less than impressed that Olmoak had gotten intoxicated during the flight and had fallen off the gangplank and onto the spaceport tarmac, laughing like a pair of bagpipes in paint shaker, the bottle of cork brew in each hand and a stim stick in his mouth. His great-uncle had tried to put him in the offices, doing busy work just moving files and papers around down the mailroom. Almoak had convinced the Neo-Sapiens who worked in the mailroom to fight one another in a pit of fists and swinging, for the reward of time off, vacation days, and raises. His great-uncle moved him to the warehouse where Almoak had put together a racing rally with the wheeled ground effect forklifts with prizes for the winners. After that was stopped by his great-uncle, he arranged a hover smash where workers drove old hover lifts and crashed into one another with the winners getting prizes. Soon, every hover lift was covered in sheet metal and spikes and mesh. Olmowak himself took part in them until finally he broke one of his arms when he was T-boned by another lift. Olmowak's uncle sighed and sent the young Langtelen out into one of the mines as soon as he healed. Olmowak himself had almost felt something when the bones in his arm had snapped and we whipped the hovercraft around to slam the heavy-weighted end into the worker's side. He'd almost felt something when his uncle had ordered his arms set without painkillers. He'd knocked out the Umtavain medic with one hit and when he'd reacted to the pain and felt a little bit of something that he had been chasing. 
at the mines, Olmoak's uncle had despaired. Olmoak had gotten bored of paperwork and supervision for the first week and had bribed one of the workers to teach him how to use the cargo mech to load the raw ore onto the transports. That had led to mech bash competitions where mechs smashed against each other, slamming each other with graspers or lifters, while an audience cheered. Within a month, the cargo mechs were covered in metal and spikes and painted in garish colors. A few workers were killed in the competitions, but the mech bash went on, with all Moak participating in the roar of the crowd. Strangely, productivity was up. Incidents between the workers and Corpsec were down. Alcohol and drug use were up. Black market trading and ration chips and Corpsec were script was up. Fighting was up, but the amount of lethal stabbing, shootings, beatings and ambushes went down. Olmoak's uncle just swept all the mech bash incidents under the rug. He purchased junk mechs from the other corporate divisions, thinking maybe having older, battered, less maintained cargo mechs would stop the mech bash and having massive redundancy would be replaced the cargo mechs when they failed. Instead, Olmoak's band started stripping the parts from the junk mechs and adding it to the cargo mechs. Then Corpsec reported that the junkyard where the old defunct corporate crowd control and law enforcement vehicles had been robbed. Olmoak's uncle knew exactly who had robbed it, but at least this time there was no evidence. The old Langtelan had boarded the executive hover limo and gone out to the mine, chewing narco, cud, and the whole way to ease his anxiety. He could see two cargo mats battering each other over his harbor limo came into the landing. As he watched in horror, one of them opened up a chain gun and was the same type as the heavy crowd control vehicle from Corpsec used. He could hear the roar of the crowd even through the armored limo's window. When he landed, a small putamat neo-sapien lizard asked the older Langtelan if he wanted to purchase something called a box seat, or if he wanted refreshments or to meet some of the mech slammers personally. The uncle, who went by the name of Lo O Manan, harumphed and demanded to see his nephew. Lo O Manan found himself escorted by two young female Langtelans of lower caste, secretaries for the corporate mining facility, dressed scandalously so much of their udders showing. Instead of taking him directly to see his nephew, Lo O Manan was taken to a seat protected by pressure beams and arm glass. Where hmm, is my nephew? Lower Man Nan asked, accepting the offer of an brew. One of the Langtelan females pointed out in the dirt field where the cargo mat had just walked out. The cargo mat was covered in crude metal armor, garishly painted with chain guns and a giant saw blade for a hand, and a crudely fashioned metal spike fist replacing the one of the graspers. He's right there, most high guest, the Langtelan female informed the older male. Lo-O Manan watched with cargo mech raised all forearms, slamming the forearm together as the crowd roared. The entire crowd roared so fiercely that Lo-O Manan's tendrils curled up in his crests and plated defensively. The battle was fierce and made Lo-O Manan cringe with a feel nauseous. His grandnephew showed no hesitation like a proper civilized being would, and instead charged his opponent and met him blow for blow. The battle ended when the older cargo mech landed on its back and crashed and the crowd roared. Lo-O Man-Nan thought it strange that his nephew reached down with one mechanical hand to help his opponent up to their feet and raised the mech's hand with his own to the roar of the crowd. One of his female hanger-ons asked Lo-O Man-Nan if he wanted a trivid or a VR chip of the battle as a souvenir. Only 24 corpse script. Lo-O Man-Nan couldn't believe that the crowd had been chanting his family name the top volume. 
He himself avoided the crowds, which all stared and muttered at his limo moved through. He saw his nephew pushing through the crowd, slapping extended hands with his four hands, cursing loudly and swinging narco brew handed to him. His nephew, Ulmawak, was sweaty, wearing only a cooling vest and a bandage over one of his sides, not even the sash to proclaim who he was and what his standing was. Lowman Nan watched, horrified, as one of the tall Neosapien mammals, a two-legged hecon, poured Narcobrew into her fur-covered mammary glands, and his nephew pressed his sweaty face between them, shook his head, and made a blubbering noise. The crowd around the nephew roared with glee. Another worker being another Neosapien stripped off her shirt, revealing a scandalous flesh and fur, handed her a t-shirt to Lowman's nephew, Almawak wiped the face and chest and handed it back, the Neosapien clutching it tight to her upper body. Her eyes bright as she watched Lower Man Nan's nephew swagger between the doorway. Lower Man Nan was led to his nephew's office, taking a winding way. They moved through the maintenance bay where Lower Man Nan saw the maintenance techs working on the crudely armored and armed mechs. Past makeshift lounges and bars where Lower Man Nan saw wealthy executives of the corporation yelling, shaking fists, and shouting bets at the narco brew flowed on the stem cud was chewed. Lower Man Nan couldn't believe what he was seeing. He knew that Langtanans, a senior executive with the corporation from distinguished family lineage, whose family was wealthy and powerful even by unified call system standards. The SEO was at the bar, shouting at the screen where two cargo mechs brawled, a narco brew in each hand of his four hands, while two small Lumerian Walcrit females combed the Langtalon's fur and rubbed his skin while sitting on his back. As Lower Man Nan watched the wealthy and powerful being turned to his waist to face the two in his back, the closer one took a deep drag of the stimsick held by another one and put her hands on the other side of Langtalon's jowls and blew the smoke directly into his nostrils. Lower Man Nan hurriedly clapped past them, closing his eyes in the rear so that he didn't have to see such disgusting deviance carried out by members of his own species. Body. He reached his nephew, who was sitting on a broken couch, a stimstick in his mouth, a well-cret female with a medkit tending to his bruises and small cuts at his side. The younger, Langtalan, had his eyes closed and his hands at his sides, and Lower Man Nan was horrified to see that his nephew was allowing two comely young Langtalan females manually stimulate him sexually as he relaxed and the well-cret tended his wounds, while loud music, prohibited by the corporation, blared from speakers stacked in the corners. Nephew! The elder, Langtalan, harumphed, hoping the sound of his voice would put a stop to this degeneracy and debasement. He was shocked and appalled that the two females didn't even look up. Instead, just leaned back and entwined their gel tendrils, their hands still busy. The Welkerit ran the auto-suture down the cut in his nephew's flank. Everyone, everyone else jeered as an arm was torn free from the cargo mech, as the other yanked the arm straight and ravaged the joint with the chain gun. I perfected that move, you know, uncle, his nephew said, pointing at the screen with a half-empty narco brew. Lower Man Nan yanked his attention from the huge display, normally used by executives to display data, and looked at his nephew, who was patting the rumps of the two females and shooing them away. Is what do you think you're doing? Lower Man Nan demanded of his nephew. Getting patched up, to use the phrase, Uncle. Almoak answered, taking a swig from his narco brew. My opponent was skilled and determined. 
I was proud to defeat him, most honored uncle. Honored, honored, you destroyed the honor of our line and our name by brawling like these, these, uh, neo-sapiens. Lohmanan sputtered his tendrils tight with outrage. If you say so, uncle, Almuwek said, and twitched slightly, and the Walkrit snapped at him to stay still so that she could scrape the emergency coagulate off his skin and suture the wound. Your workers caused damage to company property, costing mine credits, undoubtedly putting this whole facility in the red. If you don't take care of thou honor, what about our stockholders? Lower man Nan barked at his best he could, inflating his crests to establish dominance over his nephew. His nephew ignored his crests, taking another swig. Is it money you're worried about, uncle? The younger Yelang Talon said slowly. He signified a disappointment and resignation, and then made a tossing motion towards the older male. View that if you worry about the profits. Lower man Nan snorted and opened the data file. It was a spreadsheet of company costs and expenses, balance against income, with man hours, the expenses and income broken down. Almawak watched his uncle digest the data that seemed to be important to older Langtalan but was infinitely uninteresting to Almawak himself. Anyone can turn a Neo-Sapien upside down and shake credit chits from his pockets, Almawak thought to himself. Only the best can convince them to roar out his name in a frenzied appreciation. Lower Man Nan couldn't believe what he was seeing. The entire facility was making more profit in a single planetary cycle than it had ever had in the entire existence. Membership fees, drinks, narcotics, prostitution, viewing fees, entrance fees, income from the tribe and VR chips, Galnet broadcasts and shady net sites, that was a pay-per-view only, gambling and more. The credits were pouring in, outstripping even the cost of the black marketeers for weapons, armor and narcotics, even outstripping workers' payments, taxes, everything else. The books were then cooked using the mining and refinery plant as cover. What the refining actually made in profit couldn't have been listed as slush funds compared to what his nephew was bringing in from his illegal and immoral activities. Even more startling was that Almowak had reported every drip of income from the Unified Taxation Office and paid the taxes. Almowak watched his uncle's tendrils tremble with pleasure and gave an equivalent of a sigh of envy. His uncle looked almost orgasmic, a feeling that Olmowak chased but could only taste in the bare edges of, only in the cockpit of the cargo mech. You did all of this? Lower man Nan asked, surprised his nephew even understood how a multi-column accounting. Olmowak snorted in amusement. Hardly, uncle. I pay employees to do it and pay them well. What if one of the Neo-Sapiens tries to cheat or rob you? Lower man Nan asked, sure his nephew didn't understand how to keep a Nebio sapient in line. The first one that did, I had chained up to the fist of my cargo mech and pasted him across the chest of my opponent with a few punches. Olmuak said flat as a matter of factly, as if he wasn't talking about the brutal killing of another sentient being. Lower man Nan stared at his nephew in horror as the younger one gave an equivalent of a shrug. It's one of the most downloaded and paid-for clips. My opponent was painted over in a dark blue of dried blood and the bright paint to remind everyone of the battle. Since then, my employees only steal about 2%, which I'm willing to overlook. Lower man Nan just stared at horror. With another word, he'd returned around and galloped back to his limo, returning to the capital with a promise to himself as long as his nephew kept bringing in the record profits, the maniacal Langtalan could just stay at the remote facility. Almuak looked at the being called a human, apparently, a bipedal primate with closely set forward-facing eyes of a predator, 
thickly muscled, with hair down its head and around its mouth, and five fingers instead of four. It was dressed in clothing covering with holograms that showed cartoon female humans chasing each other and hitting one another with blunt objects. It made Ormoak inflate his crest with amusement. You know, I can replace that eye with a cyber eye within about an hour, the human said, using the universal translator. No charge, just have the medibot it do it and we can conduct business. Ormoak signified his agreement with one hand and his eyes only for what would the human junker had brought him. Massive robot power armor, armor meters thick, bristling with weapons, designed like the biped, just oozing malice, all of them designed to appear aggressive and menacing, just sitting there with their fusion reactors pooled and the weapons empty or disengaged. A spider-bark climbed up Ulmoak's foreleg and then up to his torso and then onto his head, settling over the empty socket of the right eye side. Ulmoak ignored it. The medibot was nothing to grow anxious about. He mentally braced for pain. Pain, and it was inevitable. Pain was good. Pain was life. Got some old Terran battlecruiser battle screens. They should protect your crowd from any missed shots as well as provide really slamming effects when they're hit. Nothing outside of nuclear penetrator would get through the class of shields, even though they're old tech. Pull them off of some blown out ships back around Bringle 6, the Terran human, a Maximilian, said, snapping his hands together eagerly the motion like he was brushing off dust with more animated and loud. Omoak liked the body language. He tried to do it himself and found it much more satisfying than the hound ringing and anticipation than most of his race used. That sounds sufficient, Omoak said, following the Terran's body language of nodding rather than inflating his crest in ascent. He liked that too. Now these mechs are civilian grade. Usually they used by the frontier, harsh environment worlds for heavy security. They'll rip up a pirate ship to shreds and go toe-to-toe with light armor, and can even take on your civilian government-grade heavy armor units, Max said, pointing at one of the smaller mechs. That one, right there, that can crush most heavy armor units used by your civilian government with a single stomp. I wouldn't try taking it to the corn-fed mil-spec tank, that thing would rip you apart, but against anything you'll probably face, no contest. Omoak nodded, admiring the lethal lines of the massive mech, Lai liked the one with the skull face, the big fist, and the retractable rotating saw blade sword when this forearm. Ah, oh, so how many do you want? the human asked, rubbing his hands together. Omoak's implant told him that it was an eagerness not to stress. Omoak stared at the mechs in a massive freighter's hold, over a hundred of them, all heavily armored and armed. All of them the cartoon female humans frolicked on Maximilian's suit all waved their pom-poms with their eyes replaced by throbbing hearts. Corpsec Chief Executive Officer Moolah Mac exited the armored Lorsec wagon, adjusted his sash, and trotted forward. The small neosapient waiting for him performed an elaborate welcoming rituals with his due. Two lower-caste Langtalan females, their implants marking them as food service workers or refinery executives, both trotted forward to coo at him and rub him. The Walcrit climbed up onto his back and began rubbing and soothing the narco cream into the four shoulder blades. He liked her. She had strong, soft hands and knew how to rub his muscles just right to force the knots and tension to his racks. The smell of the hot lubricant, scorched metal, sweat and anticipation filled the corpse ex-CEO's nostrils as his tendrils shivered in anticipation. He was a wealthy and powerful male of the Langtillan executive class, even beyond this planet. 
Yes, he should arrest the young Olamok for everything involved or served by the younger male's illegal activities. Balmulamok couldn't bring himself to even think about such a thing. After all, where else would he get to see such amazing sights? The sound of music, new music, harsh, demanding, thundering, aggressive, and violent poured over the CEO as he entered the highmost class of executive lounge. He merely used the entrance to gain access to the facility. He handed off his sash and badges of rank to the little pantomite at the door, who was inside an armored cage, and took all valuables and put them in a registered locked box. The sign of the top of her armor past window stated warning, Are responsible for grabbed stuff you take in. The CEO nodded and warning and gave the little Neosapiens weeks worth of meal chits for the way she rubbed her groveled and she put her stuff away, and headed deeper into the facility. He passed the other members of his race at their clean and immaculate feeding lounges, moving past that to where he preferred, the greasy, slightly dirty, shabby lounge where the neon glowed, the music was almost too loud, and more than once some of the neo-sapiens and even members of his own race threw fists over the outcome of a match or a disagreement over which cargo meant pilot was the best. A bunch of his corpsec men, or lower executives, raised their narcopia and cheered him, Mulamak signaled the being tending the bar to bring another round to the table and clopped over to his men. They all thanked him for getting them into this giant mech bash. Something new was promised, something grand. The alien-sounding, hard-driving music hinted at whatever it was. It was going to be big. When the fireworks went off, the lights went out, and Mulamak turned to watch the oversized split display. Sure. The tables and the executive lounges had built-in hollow projectors, but the faded and transparent hollows just didn't have the excitement of the vid screens. The little wildcrit on his back tapped him and he turned around to face her. She took a drag of a stim stick and put her other hand against his hand gel and slowly exhaled stim smoke into his nostrils. He inhaled deeply, grateful, feeling the already activated stim surge in his bloodstream and shivered. What stomped out on the view screen, obviously shaking the ground in the arena, was something the Mulamak recognized, something that he'd seen in classified videos from the furious fighting against the precursors over the last two months. A human war mech. It raised its arms over its head, clasping the massive hands, and shook them with the crowd roared. Mulamak was aghast. How had these war machines, those weighing as much as 500 tons, gotten to the planet? How had young Ulamak gotten a grasping four hands in one? He stared at the special effects, froze the giant mechanized war machine, spun it around, put it in garish colors, and then detailed the weapons. Sweat popped up on Ulamak's crest as he inflated them with agitation. The giant beast carried two 200mm autocannons just to start off with. It packed missiles, lasers, particle beams, something called a chainsword, and more. Its polyceramic wall steel laminate armor could shrug off anything his entire corpsic force could bring to bear, and those autocannons would shred anything he could field. Yeah, yeah, one of his subordinates, a senior executive officer, cheered, Slam smash! Slam smash! The little Walcrit tapped Mulamak, and when the CEO turned at the waist to face one behind him, the little mammal pressed both hands against his nose and slowly exhaled narco smoke into the first one and then the other nostril. Mulamak closed his eyes and let up the little Neo-Sapien put her four hands on her fur and started to stroke. 
It soothed him, such degeneracy. It calmed him, indulging in such deviance. He would never do so in private or at work. But here, surrounding by the pounding alien music, the dimly lit, grimy sports lounge, surrounded by the subordinates and other Macbash fans, he indulged himself in vices that he would have never imagined as a young Langtelan in the unified call systems where he had grown up. He turned around, shifting his arm so that he still reached behind him and stroked the wildcat. He tapped the inside of his arm with a narco jet, just in time to see the opponent. A giant warmack the same weight class, different weapons, painted in garish colors of another competitor. This one armed with lasers, particle cannons, missiles, and a point of defense and other missile defenses. Then they pulled back, displaying the modified arena. Giant chunks of armor made up of wall steel and blaster steel, glimmered with energy fields, and other things to take cover behind. Plasma mines, auto turrets, flamers, all kinds of hazards that the crowd could activate by throwing a bash cash at it in the form of work chits, woo chits, corpse script, unified system credits, or even promises of favors. Countdown started and Mooler Mac calmed his agitation by touching the little female in ways that the member of his species, his caste, his executive status probably shouldn't. He brought her around to his chest, cradling her and stroking in her in his arms. Well, she blew clouds of narco vape across his nose and balanced a mug of narco brew on her stomach. The battle started with Mooler Mac quickly forgot his agitation. Particle cannons thudded, auto cannons shrieked, the shields screamed and sparked with masses that thrilled the crowd as they were only howled off by a certain death by the invisible hands of the battle screen projectors. Ten fights, all between massive Terran Warmax. Mulamak won as often as he lost, but by the time he was halfway through watching the fights, he was cheering as often as everyone else. He broke a narco-brew bottle across the face of the senior executive Langtelan from the financial services during the sixth fight, clasped hands with the same being and cheered with the seventh, two males slapping each other's sides in shared joy as the mech that they'd been undefeated the larger one. One of his subordinates put a fist in his eye and he responded by kicking the other male in the chest to a roar of the onlookers. He bought his defeated subordinate a large mug of the subordinate's favorite narco-brew to show how gracious he was in victory. The subordinate cheered Mulamak's name as they left together and rode home in the same executive limo. Mulamak's uncle looked at the profits from the new and improved Macbash and had to shuffle funds around at the senior executive level to hide the profits. He noticed the CEO of Corpsec had swollen eye and during luncheon, but didn't pay it any mind. Corpsec types often had to put down riots. The air was full of thunder as the atmospheric craft roared overhead. More humans had arrived to protect the system from the possible precursor attack. Humans had sworn to protect the star system, had deployed massive amounts of war machines through space, around moons, on planets, everywhere. A precursor fight attack might strike at the beings they so hated. Well, the other Langtelan had run circles panicking, wringing their four hands, inflating and deflating their crests in fear, shaking their jowls in terror, bleating and crying out their anxiety. Olmoak felt a tingling tremor deep inside of him. Actually felt it. Invited the Terrans to the Macbash, can comp the entrance, drinks, and anything they wanted. They enjoyed it. Olmoak liked Terrans, he had to admit. Members of something called the V Core, old metal, that just made his tendrils coil in joy. Olmoak had noticed that even their officers liked the dimmer, grimier looking loungers. More deviant and dangerous, the better. 
The two humans had pulled knives on each other, fighting on the floor over one of the lounges over a pantomid female that they had both been petting. Neither one had been killed, but they had been injured. Ulwak had ordered the Walcrit medicos and not to use painkillers on the Terrans to see how they reacted. Every reaction to pain brought jeers from the fellow Terrans. One who had flinched had Narkabru poured over him by his fellows. The two knife fighters were arm in arm, cheering less than a fight later. Ulmoak was fascinated by the Terrans. They looked... looked... alive. Ulmoak envied them. V-Corps Commander's Memo Attendance to Ulmoak's Backbash Arena is permitted via Recreation Pass. Please stop stabbing each other. It looks bad to our hosts when a senior officer's duel with knives over who gets to pet the furry Xena species with great tits, no matter how much it amuses your subordinates. I appreciate a great set of memory glands just as much as the next species, but rolling around on the floor while the enlisted poor narco brew on you is undignified. Real officers use stun pistols at 20 paces. While dueling is legal, please refrain from doing so unless it is vitally important. Like who may have stolen your last pack of Terran cigarettes. General Nodraak Vikor commanding. Nothing follows. Kestimate corporate memo. Attendance to the so-called Mechbash is strictly prohibited to all executives by order of Kistimit Corporation Headquarters, Core Worlds. Attendance to any illegal activity can result in a fine of up to three days' pay. End of chapter. First Contact, Chapter 45 The Terran was a big warborg, two tons of anodized black wall steel, heavy weapons hidden inside his chassis with magnetic power inductors the size of Ulmoak's hand, covered in a thin layer of armor plas, with an eight pierced by the upright arrow marking both the shoulders. His face shield was open, letting Ulmoak see the Terran's biological face that had been attached to the wall steel skull. Well, the Anilantalians might have been distressed by the cyborg, it didn't bother Umoak at all. The Terran was one of Umoak's loyal customers. Over the last weeks, the Terrans had been deployed at the war material and getting ready for the possible precursor attack. You won't want to get off this planet soon, Umoak, the Terran said. It took a sip of the narco-brew. Good stuff. My appreciation at your enjoyment, Umoak answered, nodding. He liked the Terran physical body language much better than the right to Creston tendril signals. Why would I want to leave? The Terran sighed. There are imps in the Oort Cloud, and that can only mean one thing. Precursors are coming, Umoak guessed. The big Terran nodded. You advise me to flee? The Terran Warburg slowly nodded. It is only going to get ugly, friend. The precursors are going to come at the system with everything they can shake loose. It's an important extraction and refinery system. The Warborg paused. They're going to come straight at this facility. Ulmoak nodded again. That sounds logical. My uncle has sent some of the Corpsec out here. Some with heavy vehicles and Corpsec designates them. To protect the Profani from any rivals, he says. I believe it's trying to protect from any of the Bashmak pilots going rogue. The Corpsec vehicles won't last 15 seconds against precursor machines, the Terran answered. I've seen the Bash Mac list them as the light Sibylline defensive vehicles, Ulmoak answered. He lifted his hands in approximation of a shrug. My Bash Mac is a civilian version. I can only imagine what the precursor machines must be like, and even then, I'm probably under-imagining them. The Warborg nodded. 
I faced off against the Precursors a few centuries ago. Not this brand, the other types, and they're a serious opponent. They don't stop and they linger to kill every living thing. To top it off, friend, they view your species as deserving to be wiped out. Ilmoak shook his head. I will not leave my loyal workers. They work hard for me. They fight harder. The Warborg sighed. All right, look, saying this is in the grey, I can probably get away with it because you're technically a CEO and the community leader. Nobody else outside this Turcon-fed mill knows this yet. One moment, Ulmoak said, he used his implant to turn off any surveillance devices, cleared the surrounding rooms, and locked the doors. The big warborg nodded at the sound of the maglocks engaging. Go ahead. These things use psychic assault arrays. We don't mind that much. We're highly resistant to such things. But I don't know how your people will react, the warborg said. They come at you. They're going to hit you with psychic assault and slaughter your people while they're still alive and screaming. Ulmoak thought for a moment. Is there a way for non-Terrans to protect themselves from psychic assault? The warborg nodded. Sure. Most of the Trianonad soldiers have psychic shield implants. Most vehicles have them. We even get portable ones to protect camps and bases. Ulmoak nodded. Thank you for the information. It is most helpful. Can you guess at how long until the Precursors arrive? Days? Weeks? With the imps in the old cloud, we're being reconned. It's not if they get you, it's when they get you, the Warborg said. He stood up. I should get back before I'm missed. Ulmoak nodded, thinking carefully. He unlocked the door and ordered the Warborg to be comped to tonight's entertainment. Psychic shielding, eh? The Terrans seem to have it commonly installed. That means they have an abundance, he thought to himself. He signaled to the facility's computer to send two of his employees to him, one a structural engineer responsible for keeping his mind operational, the other a refinery expert. They arrived quickly, both smelling of stim sticks, but they both had obvious shakes from taking a quick sober. Olmoat soothed their fears, handing them bottles of Terran Nocobia after he twisted the caps off. He turned down the music and then locked the doors. On a Jumanat! Almuak addressed the refinery master. The other being nervously signaled was paying attention. The humans call it wall steel. Can we create it and work it? The other, Langtalan, shook his head. No honored Almuak. We can craft it, but it immediately hardens and cannot be worked. What hyperalloy can we create that can work with the tools available? Almuak asked. Terran endosteel. We had the templates and industrial fabrication specifications. The refinery master said. 10% of our output to endosteel production. Keep it off the books. Offer triple pay for anyone willing to work off the book ships to produce it, Almuak said. As you wish I most, he answered. Another thing, Jarmanat, Almuak said. The subordinate looked nervous. You have family on the planet. Yes, I most, he answered. Bring them in. I'll have a vacation time authorized for them. Use one of the empty executive villas for them. Bring all of them, Almuak ordered. Jumanat didn't ask why, just nodded. Every one of Ulmanak's ideas had enriched him vastly, and Jumana had ceased asking questions. He accepted his dismissal and left, Ulmanat locking the door again behind him. Zalamuint, Amaok, turned to the master engineer. She nodded, still looking miserable from the quick server shot. Yes, hi, most... She stared at the male's robotic eye, fascinated by it. Supposedly, the Langtalans were too advanced to accept cybernetic prosthetics, but the eye had been there for weeks without problems. Almoak 
I used his personal holotank, Heron version with an excellent resolution and fidelity, to put up a map of one that played out the mines that weren't beneath the worker habs and the executive villas. I want you to build shelters beneath the structures in these mines with the fast access ports that can be sealed and camouflaged until rescue can arrive. The female, Langtalan, nodded slowly, getting up and moving around the holotank. Shelters for how many people, High Most? All of them, plus another 10% redundancy. No, make it 20% redundancy and provide atmospheric power and food dispenser backups, Albuak ordered. Triple pay for all who work on this. I want it done as soon as possible. As you will, she answered. Will that be all? Albuak shook his head. No, I have one other set of orders, he stated. He moved to scan the set that played out mines miles away. It had a large entry cavern. She curled her tendrils in confusion but waited. I want you to move all our spare parts, our spare repair equipment, the bash mechs to the spot. We're going to be going back to cargo mech fights for a little bit, he said. Build these buildings out of Durocro. Make sure the repair scaffolding is finished first. Which do I prioritize? Concealed repair bays first, moving the parts second. I have a different cruise get the cargo mechs ready to fight. Your customers won't like that, she warned. I'll play it up as a celebration of some type, offer reduced fees that'll quiet them, he said, and thought for a moment. Send cricket. Personally, no data link or com. Zaal Muunt nodded and left, finding the Puntamat mechanic drinking a narco brew and puffing on a narco stick in one of the lounges, a pile of scripts, chits, and rations in front of him. Sober up the highmost once you right now, Zaal Muunt said. A little, Pintament nodded, ordering the quick sober and getting up. He injected it into his arm as he hustled to where he knew the boss would be watching the fights. When he went in, he heard the door lock behind him and worried that the boss knew that he'd been skimming money off the repair fees being charged to the fighters. Sit, honored high-most mechanic, Ol Muak said, motioning at the comfortable seat. Cracket sat down, nervous, noting the unholstered needler pistol in the holotank. tank. Alvowak cracked open two Terranaga beers and handed one to the little furry lizard. Cracket watched as Almuak brought up the schematics of his own bash mech. Assign your less skilled text to bringing up the cargo mechs back up to fighting status, Almuak stated. Your best techs will have an assignment soon. They'll be making modifications to our bash mechs. What kind? Cracket asked, beating the tingle of excitement. Right now? I'm not sure. I just have your men go over the technical documents for the bash mechs and start doing EVR training from the data chips and manuals. Even the stuff like raptured reactor shields. Almanac ordered. He handed another beer to the fuzzy lizard. Triple pay. He cracked nodded, hustling out of the room. Almanac opened his personal encrypted data link address book, going over the various link addresses that he had amassed. There. There was some context there that were even at the MacBash Arena. He ordered in comely male and female members of all races and had them dress scandalously and then had his office arranged for effect. He then went out and took part in the unscheduled match to get that feeling again. He needed his edge to meet the beings he needed to meet with. Uncle O'Omanan, I invite you to inspect the mines in a week or two. Please bring my aunt and my cousins. I have missed them dearly. I promise you won't be disappointed in what I wish to show you. Alma Ock. The Terran officer got out of the heavy cargo truck, walking towards where Alma Ock sat on the foot of a bash mech, feeling the machine vibrate with power and menace. 
The Terran officer glanced up once and nodded before moving to Almuak. The big Terran held out one crushing primate gripper, and when Almuak shook the primate, increased the pressure, staring at Almuak's eyes. Almuak held the stare, refusing to show any pain. Pain was life. The Terran officer nodded grudgingly and released Almuak's hand. Almuak ignored the pain of the crushed muscles and bruised bone. The balloon, like feeding of swelling, it was just pain. I got what you wanted, psychic shielding for war mech, updated monocric packs, everything but war boy hashes, even got your training EVR progs with the simulators, uses the latest battle data that we've got against the precursor machines, the Terran said. What do you have for me? Here, the Langtalan said, monitoring. The two Puttermans ran forward, each carrying a chip box. The idea had startled Almanac. It was simple, so easily done, and apparently brought in massive amounts of credits, chits, payments, and customers. The first one was opened, and the Terran removed one of the chits, checking it. The 15 seconds was unlocked, the rest behind. Surprisingly enough, civilian-grade Terran cryptography. The Terran turned it off and put it back in the box. Full EVR, he said. That's important. Albuak nodded. That one's just sex. He opened up the second case. This one, my friend, will be your big bunny maker. Oh, why? What do we have here? The Terran asked. Everything from slowly eating a meal while sitting naked outside in the rain to feeding low-power heated blowers drying one's fur to a slow kiss between two lovers. Urinating in the bladder has gotten excessively full, and the first drink of water after getting a full day without it. Feel of an infant soft fur or scales or skin beneath your warm hand. The grain unturned up to maximum, as broad spectrum as my text could make it. Almuak said he lifted up the upper limit of the best approximation of human smile as he could make. Before you tell me that it's worthless compared to Xeno species 6, let me tell you. A war borg offered me a year's pay for the EVR of a female putament finishing a long run in a treadmill, then carefully, slowly washing the shampoo beneath the stream of water before blow-drying her fur slowly. The Terrans narrowed his eyes. He dealt with the Langtland before, but had never seen one who was so focused, almost predatory from the herbivore species that might, occasionally, eat meat. He thought for a moment, trying to decide if he could bluff one or maybe apply a little good old old intimidation. Almuak knew what the other was thinking. He pulled a long stick of spiced meat and treated meat, something that he saw the Terrans enjoy, slowly unwrapping the slender jams and beginning to chew on the stick, coiling his feeding tendrils in pleasure. When he knew that he had the Terrans' attention, he reached down and patted the gigantic foot of the pleasure and glory with his lower left hand. The Terran quickly changed his opinion. He had been warned by the person who had put him on this nice bit of graft that this Langtalan was different, but he hadn't believed it until he watched the way the Langtalan was not enjoying the meat stick, but knew what kind of effect it had and was relishing every little bit of the transaction. All right, deal, the Terran said. Parts, ammunition, repair vehicles, the whole nine yards. Excellent, buddy, the Langtalan said. He whistled another Terran skill that he'd spend days mastering. Puntament workers ran over while the others drove cargo trucks up. Langtalan shook the other being's hand, and this time he squeezed as hard as possible, staring into the human eyes, tilting his head so his side cyber eye was part of the stare. Terran Major Tactivan, Delta Company, 108th Military Intelligence, Rangers Detached, smiled back. Pleasure doing business with you.
Cricket looked up from where he was crouched behind Ulmoak's fighting cradle, the panel behind the cradle removed. The little punimpment had firmware analyzer in his hand and had an expression of satisfaction on his face. Well, we know what those interfaces we could never figure out were actually for now, Cricket asked. They, first psychic shielding booted up just fine, went through diagnostics, then stayed stable during your entire match. Almuak nodded. And the shielding inside the shelters? He asked. Four days of activation, and now we've got the right analytics and wavelengths to protect everyone, Cricket said. He used his tools and started reattaching the covers over the dense model wreck bricks. The shelters are complete. They're being furnished and stocked as we speak. All right. Outfit the rest of the Bashmax with the psychic shielding. Ulmoak ordered. Cricket hesitated a moment. Honored most high, Ulmoak, he asked. Yes, loyal one, Ulmoak asked, stroking the controls of the pleasure and glory like some men stroked their sleeping wife's hip. The same far-away look in his eyes. The precursors are coming, aren't they? Cricket asked. Yes, they are. Do you plan on fighting them? Cricket asked. Do defend all my loyal employees. Of course, Olmwak said. Your wife pulled a knife from my back and repaired my lung. Your daughter works hard to make sure that the coin girls and joy boys are all healthy and have a thumpman nearby. How could I not defend you? Cricket nodded. My men, they have spoken. We will hide in the caverns and we will repair any damage we can. That pleases me to know, Olmoak said. And he meant it. Loomanan exited the vehicle, moving over to where his nephew was dressed appropriately for once, surrounded by well-dressed sycophants and underlings like a proper length to learn should be. Lo Oman's wife and children exited the limo, looking around with parts disgust at being of the refinery, mining location, manufacturing facility. Art pleasure of seeing Almoak so improved. All they ooed and aahed appreciatively during the tour. Loma Anan noticed that the beings came to his nephew frequently with updates, prompts, and signed and introductions. They were moving outside, preparing to leave, when Lomanan saw his nephew suddenly jerk upright and put his hand against his elaborate data link in the temple and blink of four four eyes. Repeat that, Omoak said. The authority and the urgent focus of the two words made Lomanan and his family draw back from the young male Langtalan in slight fear. There was a second and Olmuax took his hand from his implant, blinking his eyes, including the ugly-looking cybernetic one, and gave a reassuring gesture. Omanan saw Turk Narn's security officers jogging towards them, holding weapons. Sorry, my apologies, Olmuax said. He gestured towards the executive vidders that made a motion. Please, before you fly out, at least try some refreshments. I'm sorry, honored nephew, we don't have the time, Manan answered, suddenly feeling nervous. Perhaps another day. Alwak sighed and looked at his uncle, slowly drawing a needler from his holster that he kept beneath his pouch. The Tuknan security men leveled their weapons at Lomanans and Lactalan guards and then disarmed them. I'm sorry, aunt, uncle, cousins, but I'm afraid my words were not a request. It is an insistence, Almanan said, his voice wide and sounding and menacing. It reminded Lomanan of how stressed Terence sounded. Hulu, dear, what do you mean, darling one? Manan's wife asked, hugging herself in fear. I'm sorry, most beloved aunt, but you must quickly come with my men. I'll be remaining here, Almuak said. He stared off at his aunt. Do remember, though, that I do care deeply for you all. The guards barked and motioned, and Lomanan and his family began moving. As they clattered away, the hoofs clumping on the tarmac, Lomanan called out to his nephew, 
I won't forget this betrayal as long as I live. Almuak didn't look back. At his more facility guards took the servants into custody. Servants that had mysteriously brought along their families to see the perfectly normal mining facility. They all hid smiles as they hurried after Lohman. The one signaled eternal affection for Ulamak. Ulamak watched, listening to his implant. Attack imminent! Attack imminent! Attack imminent! Ulamak was strapped into pleasure and glory, the data link plugged in, his feet on the pads, his hands on the controls. His big bash mesh was vibrating faintly around him, the huge fusion engine a low power. The scaffolding around it was clear, the access ports were closed, his armor ready. The durochrome around the scaffolding made the repair scaffolding look like it was just some material storage towers. He could hear these gladiators talk to each other. Weeks in the simulators were one thing, but they could now hear the radios of the Goliaths were landing vehicles on the planet, that the Terran vessels were engaged in pitched fighting. The UMF and the Kestemet Corporation had already taken massive casualties. Only a few units survived, most of them working carefully with the Terrans. His men were nervous, but unafraid. He was not nervous. He was not afraid. Instead, he felt something. The way poets described a female's tendrils trembling. The way commercials made tasting their wares taste. He wondered what it was. Hi, a small voice said in his chair. It was a personal comlink. I'll clear the channel, Omonak ordered, doing his best to imitate the Kestemet security jargon he'd picked up being arrested so many times. I'm your new friend, the voice said. Ulmoak opened his eyes and shook something tall through his firewalls through the security and scanned his entire bashmech in seconds. Well, good job on this. I should hash your security encryption, though. You're using old, outdated one that the precursors already cracked. Who are you? Ulmoak asked sharply. Oh, I'm your new war boy, assigned by the third Coscom Digital Warfare Command. Either I help you and let my friends help you or friends... There was a long pause. All V-Corps has ordered me to slag your Warmax. Almuak thought for a moment. All right, dear friend, I'll warn you. I am here to defend my loyal people. I will not stray far from this area. Okie dokie, the voice answered. Rehashing now. His mech went to standby, booted up, shut it down, everything, and then restarted everything. Rehashed, I updated your systems with the latest IFF and targeting systems. I am sending my brothers to help your friends. The little voice said, What do I call you? Ulmanak wondered aloud. Don't know, that's up to you, the voice said. Oh, V-Core is referring to you as the fifth light armor regulars and limiting your operations to ten mile radius. All right, he thought for a second. One of his friends back in the core worlds talked unlike the computer program. His name had been long, but everyone had shortened it to Tack, so they could get a word in edgewise. I'll call you Tack. Tack it is. I have General Trucker on a secure comlink. He wants to speak to you. A general. That was likely the military high most. Curious. Almuak opened the comlink. Both LAI, do you read? A Terran's rough voice sounded in his ear. Almuak could hear a nuclear cannon cut loose in the background. Yes, Almuak answered. All right. I'm sending you some air defense and point defense units and some war borg infantry. I'll keep those shelters of yours locked down and defended. You just worry about any armor units that hit your way. Trucker growled. In the background, Ulmoat heard bellowed orders. Stay out of our way, though. You get in my way, and I'll run you over just like an ancient metal. Of course, 
Nothing personal, Alwak said. He'd seen more than a few black market Terran war tribids in the past few months. Nothing personal, Tracker said. Suddenly, the pitch of his voice changed. Get those UMF aerospace fighters out there. Tell them to get the blasted formation tighter, or they're going to get raked out of the sky by the mass of the djinn. Tell those dumbass cows he's about to get slaughtered. Alwak knew Tracker was referring to a member of his species, but it did not bother him. Cattle described most of the people Almuak met before the Terrans arrived. Look, Fifth, I'll get you a dedicated data stream and provide what support I can, but, uh, tell that dumb bastard to activate his point defense. But, um, I've got my hands full. I wish you'd have interlocked with us earlier, but Jesus, sodomizing Christ, will someone kill that thing? But I'll interlock you as best I can. I understand, Olmuak replied. The sounds behind the Terran's voice was bellow commands made something inside Olmuak's soul tingle. He opened up a slender James and chewed on it, filling his mouth with the taste of the greasy meat stick. Do your best, Fifth. Trucker out. Understood. In his tank, Trucker looked at the EQMCOM Comtech. You sure that we were talking to the Langtalian? He sounded like a damn answering service, B.I. He nodded. B.I. says that he was an actual, living being with almost 83% certainty. Huh, Trucker said. Then he took his mind back to the battle at hand. Olmoak was relaxing in his crash couch, keeping his men's morale up, ordering them to sleep in ships. Listening to his implant, which Tack was keeping him aware of what was happening as was more and more precursor ships made landfall. Nearly two hours later, Tack woke him with a vibration on the bash mech lulling him to sleep. Got a compared troops on the horn, boss. They want to know which warehouse could conceal themselves in, Tack said. Alwak rubbed his eyes. What? General Trucker sent some air defense and point defense vehicles to keep your area safe. He also sent ammunition trucks and counter-battery artillery units, including radar, Tack answered. Alwak closed his eyes, visualizing the layout of the factory with his cybernetic eye. He blinked at the buildings, assigning them... Tell the leader of the vehicles that the warehouse and the vehicle hangar can be destroyed. All of the surface installations can be destroyed. Just defend the shelters. Tack hummed for a moment. They say okay. Well, they talk weird, you know. Terran military guys. They all talk funny. Wake me up if anything moves funny. Okie dokie, Tack said. Almwak closed his eyes, going back to sleep. Boss! Boss, wake up! Tack yelled. Alwak opened his eyes, lifting up his two upper hands to rub them. Yes, Tack. Trucker just signaled, you've got a whole bunch of, and I quote, big metal coming your way. Wake up the boys, Alwak said, bringing his big mech to full readiness. He waited for each of his gladiators, nearly eighty in all. Even the maintenance crews led by Cricket checked in. Finally, the Terran Confederate military forces checked in. Everyone was ready. It's time for the ultimate show, he said over his command channel, and put his mech into motion. Recall command memo. Extensive civilian shelters outfitted with psychic shielding arrays in Kistamit Hulamunga Mountains Refinery. Estimated numbers of civilians in the shelters is in excess of 320,000. Area is protected by civilian-grade medium war mechs. 8th Infantry has deployed a company of air and point defense units as well as a battalion of artillery configured for counter-battery operations. Support these guys when you can. Leader is a known and malignant compromised black marketeer, but he's been good to our guys and is taking care of his people. General Nadra Ak, V Corps Commanding, 
nothing follows. Gistimate internal memo. Lesser high most low manan and his family as well as his servants have been kidnapped. His known law-breaking nephew Ulamak, who has seized control of the Holomanga industrial facility and may be planning on holding it for ransom. At this time, do not speak to any press agents. Third Armor Division broadcast. In the come, boys. General Tracker, Commander. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.